Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we're locked and loaded, so welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcasts, and I am your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I thought it was interesting. This isn't like breaking news, but I titled tonight's stream around it. What Shelby Harris had to say kind of in defense of Teddy Bridgewater. Now, it's really the only player, unless I've missed something like on Twitter or something, you know, they've only made two other guys available to the media since the infamous Olay play. But I'm, I want to ask you after I read this, is this indicative, you think, of the overall mindset of the team, his teammates in the locker room? Or do you think this is like an outlier where you've got a PR guy in his ear saying, we need something uplifting about Teddy? Here's what he said, quote, Shelby Harris on his thoughts on Teddy – and the fumble and all that stuff. Quote, I believe there's a lot of opportunities to go out there and make plays. You can't just sit there and try to point the finger at one person. Football is the ultimate team game. And then Darius Slay also just made a uh, play. You can't just sit there, point the finger at Teddy. Like Teddy's supposed to just stop everything. I'm with my quarterback. I'm going to ride with him. Close quote. Was that like a hostage remark? Or do you think that's how he really feels? I think it's a little of both. Obviously, if they coach Draymond Jones to start his statement by saying, I, Draymond Jones, uh, they're going to probably get to Shelby Harris as well. And if they're putting him out there in front of the media, that's intentional considering the bad press they're getting from Teddy. Um, I don't think, though, Shelby is one to talk about making plays considering he's kind of checked out after getting his paycheck, Chad. He hasn't been the same Shelby Harris this year, minus a sack or two and a deflection or two. Um, Of course, though, what else is a teammate going to say? I mean, really publicly, they're not going to come out and say, Teddy quit on us. We hate Teddy Bridgewater. He should have got the fumble. They're going to still be good teammates. They're going to still, you know, toe the company line. But I'm sure those in the PR department, I'm sure Patrick Smythe or one of his, you know, uh, minions talk to Shelby Harris. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because – they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can 
find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I don't know, man. I, on one hand, I know that, um, and we've seen it by just the way people have talked about Teddy around the building, by people, I mean players, that he really has uh, made an impression on his teammates just in terms of the leader that he is. You know, he's a, he's uh, always been known as a strong leader. But I can't help but wonder whether a play like that, especially when laid bare, Zach, it's one thing when it's wham-bam right? And guys probably miss it in the heat of the moment, most of them anyway, but in the film breakdown and in the team meeting, like we heard so much about from Teddy about, yeah, coach singled me out here, coach singled me out there, like constantly. How much that maybe magnified the situation of what it might have cost him with his teammates. He says his teammates have come up and talked to him. He didn't want to give specifics, Teddy, but if I'm on that team, I'm just, I probably still don't it probably hasn't affected my overall uh, view on Teddy based on what my interactions have been, but I'm now kind of, I don't know, maybe a little more skeptical. Maybe I'm eyeing him with a little bit more of a suspicious kind of lens. See, it didn't really alter my perception of Teddy. It just kind of confirmed my perception about him. And uh, I, it's just kind of the guy that he is. He's kind of just a lackadaisical guy who walks around with a slower pace, kind of in a malaise, and he plays that way as well. There's no real urgency from Teddy Bridgewater. And if you watch other quarterbacks around the NFL, some get super fired up, whether they're old guys or young guys. They just have that passion. That is not to be found with Mr. Teddy B. But I would highly recommend anyone who doesn't already, every Wednesday, uh, the NFL.com YouTube channel puts out a mic'd up compilation of all the mic'd up moments from the week. The Broncos were, it was Justin Simmons that was mic'd up this week for Denver. And they actually showed the sideline after the Teddy Bridgewater non-effort and the fumble run back. And they were completely shell-shocked. Not really an indictment so much on Teddy himself, but the way the game changed on a dime and how avoidable that was. If he just would have thrown a shoulder in there, just get involved in the play. Try to slow him down. Even if Slay would have made it back and Teddy would have tried, that's one thing. But when he doesn't even go near him, when he completely backs away, it just shows you, it kind of peels back the onion of who Teddy is. And at its core, I don't think it's too delectable. Hey, I'm a big onion fan. I find them very i am as well but i don't like onions worth. they don't do anything for me um christian hey welcome in brother it is a thursday as tr is tradition it's our mile high mailbag we are your football priests each and every week well i guess each and every day we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning broncos questions and you know on thursday nights though we really try to be as democratic as possible of course the super chats and the stars come first but we also try to get to as many non-super and, and star questions as possible. But we're going to start tonight with one of our bona fide superstars, Christian, who says, Zach, with our ownership situation and no quarterback, Kellen Moore isn't coming here, let alone Brian Dayball, Greg Roman, etc. And those aren't George Payton type guys. Realistic options are Quinn, Gannon, etc. I'm with you just being realistic. What do you think is a George Payton type guy, Zach? That was kind of what I was thinking there, Christian. How do you know what a George Payton type guy is? This is his first 
rodeo as the general manager in the NFL. And we don't, any of us, myself, Chad included, know what George Payton is thinking or where he's leaning. I mean, you're going off one list that came out that included names like Dan Quinn, Gannon, Jason Garrett. I think that was a tip-off that it's not that realistic. But I'll say this again. I think some of Broncos country kind of overrates the ownership aspect. If you had a good quarterback and a good coaching staff, they would have been a lot better even without an owner. But you throw enough of this at someone, whether it's Kellen Moore, whether it's Brian Dayball, you allow him the power to pick his own groceries somewhat, give him some autonomy, and let him run his own team. I think you can convince one of the guys. It might not be Kellen Moore, but I think one of the guys would want to come here, especially knowing that Peyton would have an agreement like, listen, we have a fairly high first-round pick. I'm willing to trade up to get your guy. Let's go get a quarterback. Let's develop one. Let's do this. Maurice, hey. You're in the chat just about every night, so appreciate you, buddy. He says, would the Broncos ever try to raise money, a la the Green Bay Packers, by selling shares in the team? Yes, the shares are more worthless than a degree from DeVry University. Man, but it uh, raises tons of cash. I don't know, because it's a different ownership uh, situation, right? The way – I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on how the ownership stakes and shares are, are divvied out, but – you know, the trope being that the fans own the Green Bay Packers, right? But um, I guess you could sell shares of any court. You, you can go through the process of valuation and creating shares and then divvying them out based on what the valuation of your corporation was. I don't know that that would ever be something that the Broncos would really need to do. I mean, there have been times, Zach, where we've heard in the post-Bolin era, they've been a little bit cash-strapped right? Because there's a difference between cash and salary cap. Um, but I haven't heard it, anything, Zach, that would indicate it's some kind of desperate scenario where they would need to suddenly liquidate pieces of the team for any purpose. Yeah, I th- I'm not a big stock guy, but I think uh, the thing is with the Packers, they're a publicly traded commodity, whereas that's not really the case for any other team around the league. And there's a reason why it's only a one-off scenario when 31 other teams have it structured differently. The Broncos are too... Too much of a legacy franchise. They're worth too much right now. And to Pat Bowen's credit, he built them uh, to this to this uh, net worth. I don't think it's going to go that route. They'll find an owner relatively soon. Here's one from Colin Wood that says, Hey, hey, ho, ho, Fangio has got to go. <laughs> it's pretty good. It was almost a Ramon song. Almost. George Fox, what's good? They had to have players say good things about Teddy, even if the Broncos – let me, let me rephrase that. The Broncos had to have players say good things about Teddy, even if they don't think he was exactly. right on that play. Yeah, I mean, if you want – you know what? Let me just show you real quick. This is the tonality with which Shelby Harris um, made his his comment real quick. You know, I, I believe, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities to go out there and make plays. You know, you, you can't just sit there and try to point the finger at one person. You know, football is the ultimate team game. And, you know, and then Slay also just made a play. You know, you, you can't just sit there and point the finger at Teddy. Like, Teddy is just supposed to just stop everything, you know. So, you know, I, I'm with my quarterback, and, and, and I'm going to ride with him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. know it kind of strikes uh, me, to be frank, Zach, as a guy who didn't probably give all that much thought to it and then was asked right. that was happened to be his first question off from the media. And it's, you know, he's at home. It's a virtual presser because the Broncos – have kind of gone into lockdown mode because of the uptick in cases in Colorado and you're going into, you know, uh, 
holiday season with Thanksgiving next week and whatnot. So they're kind of battening down the hatches just in an abundance of caution. So to me, it sounded like a dude chilling on the couch in his undies, right? In a sweatshirt going, um, all right, cameras on internet connections. Good go first question. And he's like, uh, well, I don't think he'd given it all that much thought, but at the same time, his answer was his answer for now. He supports Teddy. That's more of Shelby Harris than I wanted to imagine, Chad. It just seemed like also that he was sitting there as you laid out, and he got a, a text from the Broncos PR staff, and they're like, listen, you're going to do a presser right now. Be prepared to talk <laughs> right. about Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. just seemed like he was doing it with no real uh, sincerity. It was very emotionless, and he was saying just cliches and uh, relative player speak. Also, I, I, I don't read too much into it. You know what just occurred to me? We heard about how... Teddy was called out in team meeting on Monday, right? The day after the game, because Teddy was made available later that afternoon. But Shelby was at home. So was this team meeting, you think, a virtual team meeting? Now I wonder. Could I don't know this. I'll have to maybe talk to some people, check some with some sources. But uh, Miguel, what's going on, big dog? He says, what's up from New Mexico? I think that play sealed his fate for next year. Maybe. You know, we don't know what a George Payton guy is per se on the relative to coaching, but Teddy is a is a is a George Payton guy for what it's worth. But even George has two eyes, and he can kind of see it's a status quo. It's a tread water type of quarterback, and there's no dynamic component. There's no threat. There's nothing there, bro. It's uh, you know, it's like in the the piece I wrote today, Zach, in the column. We knew what Teddy was when he came here, and that is a competent veteran stopgap. He's a fail-safe guy. Something happens to your young swashbuckling guy you're still developing. It gets hurt or something like that. You need a guy to step in and keep the ships afloat short-term because that's all he's got, enough juice short-term, as we've seen. Teddy's the guy for that. Putting the mantle of starting quarterback, NFL, you're the man, go – as we've seen from the results here, from the results in Carolina, it's, it's just not his bag. You know, if Shelby Harris wanted us to take him seriously, he was talking about, you know, there's other things, and I, you can point the finger elsewhere pretty much. It's like, where, Shelby? What are the other things plaguing the Broncos, if not Teddy Bridgewater and his lack of effort in that game? And you mentioned that the fact that he's renowned as steady or competent. Is he really all that competent, though? I mean, he's he's not doing anything to win the Broncos games. He's missing open receivers. He's holding on to the ball too long. Now he's quitting on plays that he should be getting his shoulder into. I, I don't. He's billed as the best quarterback since Peyton Manning for the Broncos. That's saying more about the other quarterbacks than it is Teddy Bridgewater to me. He doesn't blow me that away with what he does. He's okay, um, but I don't think he's worth the fanfare, and I don't think he's worth a second contract to come back next year under any circumstance as maybe the understood quarterback, but then the problem you run with the risk you run with that is whoever your understood starter is, whether it's a first round pick guy or if it's, you know, veteran, maybe you acquire somehow. Now you've got, you've muddied the water by bringing Teddy back and he was the man last year. And you maybe have, you know, divided loyalties now in the locker room and a kind of diluted message. So perhaps I agree with you. Michaela, the Duchess jumping in. Love you. Appreciate you. So consistent. Love you. She says, how's it going, guys? This is the highlight of my day. Thank you for all you guys do. By the way, was my PS2 jersey shipped? I don't know. I, let me check on that. Um, 
I don't know that I've received a shipping notification, but they are pretty delayed. So um, I'll make a note here to check on that after, and I will DM you, my friend. Thank you, Michaela. And I see Tyler here real quick just to kind of piggyback off the last topic. He, Teddy's a lot more competent than Drew Locke in comparison. Well, Tyler, I assume you're an anti-Drew Locke kind of guy. If he's so bad, and that's the bar that you're holding Teddy Bridgewater to for him to get over, what does that say about Teddy? I mean, the fact that he's better than Drew Locke, is that really the best the Broncos can do? Is that the best version of Teddy Bridgewater? Is that who he is? That he's not that much better either. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Leroy says, guys, as much as I love the Broncos right now, I have zero confidence in this until changes are made. That's the thing, man, is like, it'd be one thing if you were, here's just an example. Let's say flashback to 2020. All right. And Drew, instead of suffering a shoulder injury in week two that cost him a month, it cost him the season. All right. And now your options are Brett Rippon, Jeff Driscoll, and eventually Blake Bortles. At a certain point, if things start going sideways, you know, and you're Vic Fangio and you say you've rolled with Jeff Driscoll, obviously that didn't work. They benched him in time for uh, Brett to play week four. Right. So now you're rolling with Brett and things start torpedoing, and you don't make a change, it's understandable because there's no plausible, there's no real rational, viable, potential solution waiting in the wings, right? This time there is. This time there is. So it makes the reticence, the stubbornness, the pride, as I wrote today, all the more frustrating when you know there's a potential solution. It's no guarantee, as I wrote in that column. It's no guarantee that Drew Locke's going to come in, save the day. But I do submit this as a notion. There is more evidence to suggest Drew Locke could be that spark than there was ever evidence that Teddy Bridgewater could be this team's franchise quarterback. Travis, uh, appreciate you, bro. I get it. He says Harris is defending his quarterback, but didn't he say uh, didn't he say the same and did the same for Locke last season? I know Derek Wolf is old news, but I miss him and his willingness to call someone out and speak his mind instead of just saying what everyone wants to hear. Yeah, Wolfie was a, you know, he was a, uh, he, he marched to the beat of his own drum. Speaking of Jeff Driscoll, you see what's going on with him now? He's in Houston, and they're converting him to tight end, and the coach there calls him a rare athlete. It's like, huh? Uh, but, you know, the question is always, or the answer to some people is always, Teddy Bridgewater is better than Drew Locke. Or conversely, Drew Locke is not better than Teddy Bridgewater. We don't know that. We know what, I mean, this is the same argument we were making for Drew Locke in the offseason. We know what Teddy Bridgewater is, and now it's confirmed. We've seen enough of him to know what 2021 Teddy Bridgewater looks like. We don't know that about Drew Locke, so it's still a question mark. And part of the reason why some of us want Drew Locke to start so much is just to finally answer that question. And if the answer is no, if he's not the guy, at least we know that and we can close the page on that or the book on that going forward. We can pretty much do that, though, with Teddy as a long-term kind of guy. Here's one from Willie. Good to see you, Willie. Long-time superstar. He says, Teddy has been a bum all year, though. No real shock. And then he's got the Drew Locke emoji, the, the, the trinity of Locke emojis. I don't know that I would call him a bum, guys. Like, I'm not uh, feeling Teddy right now, but a bum, I got to pick a little bit of a nit on that. And, Zach, when we were there, for example, uh, week three, as I've said many times on this podcast, I spent a lot of that game in person just kind of like monitoring Teddy 
how he how he left the field each series, how he interacted with his players on the or his teammates on the sideline and things like that. And as you heard me say many times, guys, I was overall impressed by by Teddy. So, you know, then that four game uh, losing streak hit. Who knows how much that concussion and subsequent being banged up had to do with him just torpedoing. But it's basically been downhill from there, Zach, with the one reprieve of the Dallas game. I mean, I, I I don't think I would use the word bum either because, again, the Broncos won three games in a row to start the year. But, A, they were really kind of crappy opponents. And, B, I kind of agree with Willie's point here, and I made the same thing during the winning streak and after. He didn't play all that excellent during that winning streak. There were flaws in his game as well. And even we were there for that game, Chad. One of the bad trends to Teddy that no one seems to talk about is the amount of hospital balls that he throws in a given game. He got KJ Hamler knocked out for the season because of just that. So there have always been holes in Teddy Bridgewater's boat, but it was covered up by a winning streak. And that was a mirage because the Broncos have shown themselves to be a pretender. And Teddy Bridgewater is the leader of that squad. So kind of fits the shoe. The irony, too, is that, you know, he was billed as, from Fangio, I'm, I'm Aaron on the side of the higher uh, floor as opposed to the higher ceiling. He didn't say it exactly that way, but, you know, you can interpret reading between the lines. During the four-game month of suck, how many times did Teddy Bridgewater turn it over? I'll tell you, six times, five picks and one lost fumble. Now, to me, that's not very good results when it comes to minimizing turnover, risk, all that stuff. Dave from Georgia, another bona fide superstar, says, whirlwind week for me. Yes, I've heard, dude. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to uh, betray, not betray, but I don't want to say what's going on in your life if you haven't already on a public stage. But just know, really stoked for you. Pretty cool what, uh, what you've discovered. It says, glad I could make the pod tonight. Hashtag Broncos country. Hashtag football priest. Very cool. Very cool. And this is one of the benefits we get, Zach, from being connected with our, our community members on social media. And in Dave's case, uh, I learned about this on Facebook. I, I, I don't know the exact situation, but I assume it's a positive thing. So congrats if it is, uh, Dave. We appreciate you so much. And uh, let us know after the fact. Share with the uh, class, if you will, what's going on. Huero Vidal, newer name. Welcome. Thank Welcome. you. Connect on Twitter. He says, Shelby did a good job of not looking off camera at the gun point <laughs> when he made that statement. Yeah, that's like what you said the other night on, on Draymond. Blink if, you, if you're okay. Uh, Locke's going to go on to be, a good, um, to be good somewhere else. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know, man. It's usually uh, when a team moves off of the guy that they had kind of um, – <sighs> move forward for a year or two, three, whatever it might be as the future franchise guy. And they move off that guy for someone as lackluster as Teddy Bridgewater. It's a pretty big red flag for all NFL teams as it relates to Drew Locke. But the thing that, again, needs to be kept in mind here, Zach, is in the case of Drew, there are some extenuating circumstances that have mitigated this and turned it into an outlier. For example, if this was year two, if Teddy Bridgewater arrives in uh, 2020 instead of, say, Jeff Driscoll, all right, um, Drew Locke finished 2019, 4-1 as a starter. He was the you know high-round draft pick the team traded up to get. Is there any way he's pitted in an open competition with Teddy Bridgewater that summer 
probably not because not just because of the momentum factor, Zach, but because Vic was relatively still safe and, and comfortable in his position. But then you fast forward here, that decision was made in a vacuum. The vacuum being self-serving, self-preservation, do whatever I can to, to maximize my odds of the offense just not losing it for me. My defense will go out there and win games as long as my offense isn't quarterbacked by someone who's going to lose games for me. And that mindset, it's self-serving. It's the same type, Zach, of the play and not to lose philosophy. And it almost always blows up in that coach's face. So I don't blame Drew because we saw how he played in the training camp. We saw how he played in the preseason when given his chance with the ones. He balled out. He showed progress. He took the steps the team basically told him he needed to take. It wasn't enough, not because Teddy outplayed him, but because Vic had an agenda. It's exactly what I was going to say. And you have a head coach in, in Vic Fangio. That's his whole mindset of approaching football, not just on offense or defense. It's the entire team. That's his whole mindset is playing not to lose. And that trickles down. That's why you have an offensive coordinator who plays not to lose or coaches not to lose and a quarterback who plays not to lose. It's a mindset that Vic Fangio instilled. I agree with everything that you said there about the entire situation. But let me just add that when you have quarterbacks like Blake Bortles still getting shots and Brian Hoyer that are still getting paychecks around the NFL, I guarantee you Drew Locke will get a second chance Maybe not as a starter, maybe he'll be a number two guy, but he'll be in another system. And whether he fails or succeeds, I'm intrigued, to say the least, of what he can do outside the Broncos' clutches away from Pat Shermer. Claude, what's going on, big dog? He says, I just wanted to say hello and give y'all a big thank you for being the highlight of this season. Keep up the great work. Very kind. Love you. Comments like this, comments like what Michaela said, really means a lot to us. Uh, Broncos country, don't forget to like, share, And if you can, become a supporter. Best five bucks a month you can spend. We did not pay this man. We did not pay this man. Also, on a high note, we didn't lose this week. Go Broncos. That's true. That's true. And, yes, guys, if you want to become a supporter of MHH, help keep the lights on, you can become a Facebook supporter. Easy to do. You go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. At the very top's a blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. As Claude mentions, five bucks a month. And yes, it supports us, all right? But it also, you get a little something-something in return, including Kelberman's Corner every Sunday. Right now, the streams are the halftime reaction streams, all right? This Sunday, obviously, um, notwithstanding, because, you know, he'll, he'll still be streaming, I'm sure, but a little longer it won't too. be, obviously, at halftime, no game. Plus the trickle zone every Monday at 1 p.m. We had to skip it this week because Eric's Dylan's still with some stuff that's construction around his house right now. And then Broncos Book Club kicking back up again. So some premium podcast content for our supporters. Uh, Clado, what's good, brother? Okay, let's say we clean house. Do we re-sign Teddy to a fat one-year deal? I don't think so. Even if we do it to, quote, hide our hand, it doesn't change the fact that everyone and their mother knows we're getting a quarterback. Interesting. What are your thoughts, Zach? Well, I mean, if you sign a quarterback to a one-year deal, it's pretty much showing your hand. He's not a long-term guy just on that alone. And if you anyone that has a, a somewhat of a brain can see that Teddy's not a long-term guy. That's why he's been a journeyman. That's why he's bounced around. Um, I think regardless, he's going to get George Payton as his guy at the quarterback position. I wouldn't want the Broncos to invest too much. 
But really, it's subjective. What's fat for Teddy? Is it $20 million a year, $25 million a year? What would be skinny in this sense? $10 million a year? I would be okay maybe if I knew they were drafting a guy in the first or second round, whatever, 15 a year for one year. But beyond that, he's a jag. And when you really boil it down, if you're going to get a first-round quarterback, you want just a placeholder veteran, he is a jag. You can get another jag around the market for a cheaper price and kind of move off the vibes that Teddy's bringing in the season. All right. Uh, let me see here. Let me let me see if we can... Uh... GLP, what's going on, Gary? He says, what do you make of Peyton not saying anything? Is there a message in that absence? Yeah, complicity, you know. Again, I'm not quite – I don't think this is anything to call into question his long-term viability as the guy, the right guy at the helm. I just think that, you know, he has the power, ostensibly, to step in and force the hand on certain things, including coaching firings, um, personnel, uh, playing time issues. So, in other words, you want Tom McMahon gone because he's just not – a, not cutting it, but B, every game, it's a third-phase faux pas. George Payton, step in. Fangio's not going to do it. He's proven that. So if you want to show to the coaching staff collecting paychecks from the Denver Broncos that there is a piper to be paid if you are found to be in dereliction of duty, that's how you do it. There is a backup guy. Who is it? Uh, is it uh, Chris Beak? There is, there is an assistant third-phase guy, special teams guy. I'm trying to remember now who it is. I think that's who it is that you could turn to, uh, to to get through you know what remains in this season. Drew Locke, he's waiting in the wings. Now, maybe when George Payton Zach told us more than once, but I'll just focus now on his hello press conference in January after he was hired, that, yeah, he's a guy that, you, you know, he's got all the tools that you look for, right, in the, for an NFL uh, quarterback. If that was true, what are you waiting for, dude? What are you waiting for? So he has the power to do those things. By not doing it, my only assumption, the only thing I can infer from that, Zach, is that it's this is his this is in part a plan he's either hatched with Fangio or is on board with at the very least. I, I you know, I, I have a feeling we're gonna get this question a lot until George Payton actually makes a decision on Fangio and the coaching staff going forward. I think he's playing it the right way, though. I think he's playing the long game, and that's the way to go about it. When your team is still kind of technically in the mix, and you have a coach kind of coaching for his job, and everything is still being kind of held together until it fully implodes, I, I think it's, you know, he's letting Vic Fangio sink or swim and Teddy Bridgewater sink or swim on their own volition and not getting involved. And it's going to give himself plausible deniability to say, listen, I gave those guys their fair shots. I wasn't stepping in and micromanaging. It's not on me at all. I put them in the position to succeed, and they did not succeed. That is not on me, and I'm going to make the call now to move on. It's going to happen after the season. I think you'll see a lot of mass changes. I don't see anything happening before that on a major scale. All right, here's Wyatt. Good to see you, Wyatt. He says, I know it won't happen, but what if Locke actually gets a shot and goes, say, five or two, four and three. Would that change anything going forward? Would you keep, would the Broncos obviously keep locked next season? If that were to happen, um, you know, we know he's not getting inserted. So let's say Teddy goes down with an injury and Locke comes in and leads this team to five and two or four and three finish, something like that. 
and and they make the playoffs, yeah, I would say Drew Locke's coming back because you gotta you gotta go with the guy who took you to the promised land. It would probably save Fangio's job if they made the playoffs. How ironic would that be, though, Zach, if it came because right. the team had to turn to Drew Lock? Right, that would be crazy. Um, I don't know though. You know, you never really know how the Broncos are going to handle Drew Lock. He did go four and one as a rookie, and they fired his OC right after the season for Pat Shermer. So, you know, at this point, it, that's looking like a long shot. I don't think the Broncos, with any quarterback, you know, are going to win five more games. Um, and if Lock does that, at the very least, it'll give it'll make the Broncos look foolish for not starting him. And George Payton, who has no investment in Drew Locke, he didn't draft him. He wasn't around for his rookie year. He was handed Locke. It could change his mind on him. I still think, though, mostly George Payton will try to clean out the quarterback room and get his own guy in the building, whether that's a rookie or a veteran. Hey, there's Stu Meat in the house. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate that super chat. You demand, you demand. Uh, let me grab one here from Todd Ostendorf. Going back to uh, Shelby saying, I'm not arguing in defense of Teddy, but I'm just answering when Zach asked us, what else could Shelby Harris say? So what else could he say? Um, it was very disappointing to see that in our team meeting. I mean, I didn't catch it live, but then we watched it in team and I was very disappointed, but I know that's not indicative of who Teddy really is. I mean, these are the kind of things he could have said. Instead, he made excuses and, and talked past it as if it, played in zero role in the outcome of that game. And then Todd says, what what they could say is that we have to play better as a team top to bottom. Every player needs to give their best effort on every play, and that includes the quarterback. Exactly. These are things that could have been said. Um, but I do think Teddy has some cachet with the veterans especially. But, like, that's all more cliches. It's more a football speak. What is that going to solve? It, it doesn't really do anything. It's a surface-level blanket statement. If Shelby Harris wanted to be impactful, he could have mentioned, not by name, but by detail, the bigger problems plaguing the Broncos, if not Teddy on that play, if not the offense. Is it you, Shelby, for not living up to your contract? Is it, is it the highest paid defense in the NFL for not performing like that? There's a bunch of factors you can name. Tom McMahon's presence in Dove Valley alone, for one. He doesn't want to do that, though. I would have respected that answer more if he would have named the things that are truly you know, befalling the Broncos instead of just giving more cliches. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, I'm just double-checking here. I'm trying to multitask to uh, track down Michaela's order. Dave Glassman, legend. Love you, Dave. Uh, Broncos Book Club coming back very soon. I promise you. All right, Mike Reno says, Zach speaking the football gospel, as always. Locke ain't getting a chance because Vic has already filled out his Teddy termination papers, and he isn't about to change them true pride is a powerful thing my friends michael ronquillo good to see you big dog hope you're doing well it's funny how teddy termination rolls off the tongue easier than teddy two gloves fits in i better. still i still like teddy two yards that's the one yeah. i use that in my column today credit to i couldn't remember who in the community said it uh but i loved it it might have been now that i think about it, it might have been uh donald uh Donald Netanyahu on YouTube might have been the one that coined that. I could be wrong. Um, okay, hold up. Let's grab. Let's grab. Uh, oh, thank you for those stars. Thank you so much. You know we love you. Uh, Bushido says Chad got his sleuth hat on today. Getting called out in a virtual meeting is way different. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if it was everybody yawning and like, yeah, coach, you're right. Check an Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Different thing. I'm really going to dig into that. I'm curious now. Did that team meeting on Monday because they went into not, not only because it's the buy, but because they're going into kind of contingency modes, abundance of caution, virus spreading around. A lot of, a lot of players been put on the list of late. I'm curious. Michaela says, uh, am I wrong for thinking that Locke would do great in, say, Pittsburgh, Zach? Well, I mean, if Mason Rudolph can succeed there and, and, you know, Duck Hodges a few years ago, I think Drew Locke could succeed there as well. Depends on the coaching staff and how they use him, but it's just a matter of faith with with Drew Locke. It's committing to him and letting him develop and go through the ups and downs of a young quarterback in the NFL. The Broncos tried that initially. They got... I don't know, uh, buyer's remorse on him, and they decided to go in a different direction. Wherever he ends up, I, it has to be with an upper-level coaching staff to kind of you know mask his his flaws, but I still think he'll do well in his second stop. I, I wish him well. By the way, it's looking like, Michaela, it's you're scheduled to receive that jersey between December 2nd and December 8th, for what it's worth. Just the way it is right now with these lead times. Willie... In his attempt to preserve his job, and thank you for the super chat support, bro, Vic is going to dig his own grave. Drew was definitely the better quarterback all offseason. Vic made the cowardly choice. You said it, Willie, not me. You said it, not me. I'll say it in a more uh, PC. I'll be more of an ambassador, all right? he. It was a self-serving decision. And it would have made a little bit more sense, Zach, if Drew had been – Let's just say he fell flat on his face um, against Teddy head-to-head in the competition. Teddy played so much better, like it was palpable. Then, all right, still probably would have questioned it just because you invested so much into Drew and, you know, you sacrificed to develop him. But that's not how it was. You can argue, I mean, depends on who you talk to. But if you're not there at training camp every day, it's hard to say all summer, all offseason. So let's just put a pin in that and, you know, 86 it from the equation and go strictly off who started the, you know, the, the first team exposure in the preseason. I would argue that even though Teddy looked solid and he was efficient and he moved the ball, Drew brought you that explosive, oomph, that explosive, you know, he fancies himself a gunslinger, Zach, as we've heard many times. For whatever he lacks, he's, he's a guy that you can at least trust that if he goes down, Zach, he's going to go down swinging. I mean, I'll say it. I think it was a cowardly choice by Vic Fangio. So was having Teddy Bridgewater limp out onto the field and not just play the healthier quarterback in Drew Locke or putting Locke into garbage time and, and roll with Teddy instead. Um, it, it's it, Drew Locke was playing to win, though, and Teddy Bridgewater is playing not to lose. And again, Vic Fangio has proven himself to be a not-to-lose kind of guy. It's just the type of individual and coach he's proven himself to be. Looking back on it now, in hindsight, it's not a surprise at all he went with Teddy Bridgewater. It doesn't change the the, the uh, fact, though, that it was a cowardly choice, and he didn't do it with the Broncos' best interests in mind. He did it with the best Vic Fangio intentions in mind. Um, I'm going to grab this from Swag, and then a, a Facebook from Joe here next. Swag says, tell me this is... What Okay, tell me this. What has Bridgewater done in the NFL to make him better than Locke? Please tell me. I'll wait. Locke is better. Teddy can't even throw deep. I'll, let me steal man Teddy. All right, let me give you the argument on behalf of Teddy. 
All right, and Zach, you can uh, straw man. Here's the steel man for Teddy. Former first-round pick, made a Pro Bowl in 2015, his second year. If you look at his numbers, it was very lackluster Pro Bowl nod, right? I mean, for real. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it was less than 15 touchdown passes he made a Pro Bowl because other dudes backed out of the Pro Bowl, and the Vikings were very high profile that year. They went 11-5, and five, won their division, etc. So, Pro Bowler, all right, um, overcame a grievous injury to come back, and as a backup guy in New Orleans, you know, when he left New Orleans, he, had, he started six games. And he went five and one in those games. That's the argument, I guess, for Teddy right there. Is he's he's a he's a experienced guy, competent veteran. He's played at a Pro Bowl caliber level, and for a coach who feels like he's on the hot seat, doesn't have the rope to play with dice this year. He it felt like to Vic, I think Zach, just more of a sure thing. But it was fool's gold. He should have gone with, well, you get my point. But you know what you didn't mention there, Chad? Fourth quarter comebacks. This is the criteria that's not mentioned with Teddy Bridgewater. Passing touchdowns, passing yards. This is a guy who wasn't his career high before this year, 15 touchdowns in a given season. I mean, that's, that's never screamed franchise quarterback. That's always screamed backup and backup only. Not even a hold the fort kind of guy. So, I mean, that's his laurels. He was always billed a steady Teddy. There's always been some allure and kind of myth around him. Maybe because of the injury, maybe because of his college career, um, they, they thought he could have a better NFL career. It just hasn't worked out that way. And I, I think he's showing himself to be what he's always been. And that's why some of us, Chad, reacted the way they, we did when they traded for him on the eve of the draft. They didn't go with another option, like Drew Locke. So, Teddy, um, well, let me grab Joe real quick and then I'll – I'll get what I was going to say. Joe, appreciate you, buddy. He says, hey, fellas, glad to see you live. I don't know if it's been a Facebook thing or not, but I haven't had a notification of the podcast for over a week now. Good to know. Um, what I would do is, um, I don't know. Let me check into that. He says, please tell me, what will it take for a quarterback change going forward, Zach? I'll, I'll throw out one factor. There's another, but injury to Teddy Bridgewater and there's probably only one other option. Go for it. Vic Fangio is yep. fired. See, Vic Fangio's really painted himself into a corner, you know? Um, and even though it's not true, it's like I wrote today, Fangio might perceive that by benching Teddy and going back to Drew, that it reflects poorly on him overall, like he made a mistake, he made the wrong decision. And, and on the surface... That's true. But in the grand scheme of things, does it matter when there are fish to fry? Does it matter when the the destiny of the season is still at stake? Does it matter when you still have a chance, if you can make the necessary changes at your buy, to turn the ship around and get a spark that you could make the playoffs? That is a small trade-off for that potential payoff. But Vic, I don't think, sees it that way just because, you know, just like you hear about, biblical tropes all right biblical principles let me put it that way pride is a very it's a very uh pervasive human thing i mean vic did paint himself into that corner and the thing with going with drew lock is there's a chance if he puts drew lock in the game 
that Drew falls on his face and Vic fans you, and he would, he'd point and say, see, I told you so, he's not all that better than Teddy, he's actually worse, but there's the chance that Drew Locke comes in, he starts winning, it looks better than Teddy Bridgewater, and Vic Fangio's ego simply won't allow that. His pride simply won't allow that. He doesn't want the world to see that he made the wrong decision, and uh, only Drew Locke can confirm that, Chad. I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to Vic Fangio, who's commandeered the whole aspect of the position from Pat Shermer. That's why we can't mention Pat Shermer's firing as a factor, because it's Vic Fangio making the call to start Teddy, not Pat Shermer. The only other thing I can throw in there, other than injury or Vic Fangio, is Peyton stepping in and strong-arming Fangio. I don't think it's going to happen, though. That's the unlikeliest. By the way, Joe Sawyer, make sure that you like the Mile High Huddle Facebook page, all right? Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Because if you like that page... You will be, and you follow the page as well, pretty sure you'll be notified every time we go live, which is, you know, every time we do go live, we go live from our face, our main MHH Facebook page. We go live from the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page, and we go live from the uh, Mile High Huddle super fan group that has like 11,000 fans in it or whatever. So if you're going from the group, if you're in the chat from the group, that might be why you're not getting notified Make sure, head on over to the Facebook page. Make sure you're liking and following the page, and I think that'll solve it for you. Here's 727 Mill. What's good, big dog? He says, I'm here for my daily start, Drew Locke. Fill you. Fill you. Willie again. Thanks, brother. He says, uh, Willie says, Teddy two yards regularly didn't coin it. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I don't know where it came from. I think it was Donald. I could be wrong. George says, uh, Vic has never really liked Drew if you look back at the last three years. Yeah, he always kind of struggled to say anything nice about Drew, you know. Um, at the first opportunity, you mentioned Teddy to, to uh, around Vic, and he's immediately going to light up. His eyes are going to open, and the, the smile is going to come. He's going to be compared to Peyton Manning's of the world. He's going right. to be compared to Tom Brady's right. of the world. Like, um, yes, that is definitely something that uh, – is palpable the difference i mean zach what happened on the birthday right uh what was it was it the day after the cowboys win i think that was or no it was wednesday the wednesday after the cowboys win and they're like yeah isn't it teddy's birthday or was it might have been the one before either way it was a wednesday yeah hey isn't it teddy's birthday today yeah or no he goes yeah hey mate and it's teddy's birthday today so make sure you uh wish him a happy birthday and then someone another media guy goes isn't it also drew Locke's birthday yeah it is it is you made the same, the same exact points I was going to make. You know, Teddy can get a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady comparison. Drew Locke can't even get a happy birthday. And it's amazing. You, you think that Locke or Fangio would have more loyalty to Locke considering take away Locke's 4-1 record in Fangio's rookie season and Fangio more than likely would have been fired by now. Yep. He actually owes Drew Locke a thank you card and not all this uh, combativeness. But again... That's how stubborn Vic is. That's why he's literally going like this on the sideline with his hands tucked. It's the posture of a stubborn old curmudgeon. He doesn't get it, you know, and uh, he never will is my fear. Travis says, adding and agreeing to Zach, George Payton inherited this team along with the coaching staff and has to examine what he has and what he needs to do with this first year. I know we're frustrated and hungry, getting uh, back into obscurity, but we need to be patient and let Peyton orchestrate. Yeah, it's easy to say. I feel you. But that's one of those things, Travis, where after five years for a fan base not accustomed to losing like this, easier said than done. Where I lack the impatience 
you know, hey, I'm the first guy that's going to join you on. You, you give me an optimistic thread, I'm going to be nodding my head right along. Because that's just the way I'm wired. Problem here, though, Zach, is you're not only in year six of potential losing season, or let's just say non-playoff season, because 2016 was not a losing season. But I digress. Um, but you have a chance still right now to turn the ship around if you are brave enough, if you have the intestinal fortitude to make the tough decisions that could or, yeah, could potentially be the solution. I, I happen to think George Payton is the best thing to happen to the Broncos this year. He's, he's the one shining light going forward that the Broncos can boast about. And a lot of fans forget how coveted George Payton was over the years and how many general manager opportunities he turned down and he finally took the Broncos one. They have a an ace in that role. And just let him cook for one more offseason, and I promise you the results and the rewards will be there. Dennis Woods, good to see you, bro. In Michigan, definitely a hashtag state of being Mount Rushmore superstar. He says, certainly Peyton hears how badly disgruntled the fans are. Do you think he considers that, at least to some degree, when making personnel decisions? Not really. No, I don't think they do. In fact, I know they really don't. Like, it takes um, Zach a pretty, uh, you know, we talk about a snowball rolling downhill and gaining mass as it goes. Like, that snowball has to get pretty freaking big for it to kind of break through the insulated, you know, confines of the building itself, you know, for the gut, for the front office to go, yo, it's pretty rare. And if they do make a decision or a change based on fan outcry or whatever, they're never going to admit to it. Well, I think when George Payton took the job and this is all my speculation, uh, he had a plan and he knew that Vic Fangio was around for at least one more year and all that entailed with Vic Fangio, his quarterback, his coaching staff, and if they were to go through a losing spell as they're going through now, Vic Fangio might get those boos, and the Broncos might get those boos as they witness against Philadelphia. So I, George Payton was prepared for this. Again, I'm assuming, and he knew this would be the case with kind of a lost cause, lame duck coaching staff. I don't think it's going to influence anything. What it's going to influence is the future and who he hires to replace Fangio when he makes that call. But his decisions, and I think his plan, has been put in place for a while now. Mike Reno says, Vic's not to lose attitude will cost Vic to lose his job. What an irony. Yes, indeed. Um, it is an irony. Um, let's try this one from Trevor. Bridgewater is who we thought he was, a middle-of-the-road QB that the coach is running out there because he is too prideful to do any different hashtag fire the special teams coach <laughs> never gonna happen yeah not not while Vic still uh haunts the the roost um willie says i think peyton meant it when he said he liked denver partially because of Vic, and that actually terrifies me yeah i don't think so he made it sound like he took the job because of Vic recently right, right? um after the uh von trade i don't believe that for a second what i do believe is that he probably was a bit surprised at how well he's jived with Vic in terms of, you know, sometimes personalities clash. Sometimes people get along. Um, I think they have gotten along. Like it hasn't been a clash per se. And I think that's why when he does speak on the subject of Vic Fangio, George Payton comes off like a guy who likes the man in question. 
Well, he's also they're also familiar with each other because the Vikings and the Bears, NFC North, they were you know playing against each other at least twice a year. But it's also easy to fake that you like someone when you know you get to fire them after the season. So I I don't really buy what George Payton is saying there. That's more GM speak to me to say or even hint that he took this job and finally came out from under the rock in Minnesota because of Vic Fangio, of all coaches, of all people. I'm not buying that. Savage Boy Kev, <clears throat> pardon me, on Twitch says, why sign Teddy for another year when you have a strong young quarterback with higher upside? Well, because the current regime soured on the young guy with the higher upside. So I think the only way that that changes in what would be Drew's contract year, 2022, would be if whoever the guy hired to succeed Vic as head coach comes in and not only is like, yeah, I, I, I want to roll with Drew or I want to explore that. I think there's something there, but like makes it part of his main pitch to get in the door. Like when he shows up for his interviews, he's like, and by the way, I want Drew Locke. That's really the only thing because Fangio and everyone under him has soured and on Locke. And the only thing we can infer at this point is we don't know for sure if Peyton has also soured, but again, by his silence, by, by the fact that we can only, he hasn't stepped in to change anything when the decision was made in the summer. And here we are sitting at the, at the Bizac. We can only infer at the very least that George is okay with that. Doesn't mean he's moved on from, from Drew, but it does mean that in my opinion, like he's like, yeah, okay. He knew what symbolically what that meant if they went with Teddy instead of drew so i just think drew probably needs a a fresh start somewhere even though zach if you look at this coming quarterback class i would submit that drew lock is probably a superior option to any of those guys at least at this stage from from what i've seen i don't i mean i i I really do like matt corral i think with the right coaching he can be a a franchise long-term kind of guy you know, and that's where I was taking the question from Kev as well. I wasn't sure if he meant Drew Locke or if they draft a young quarterback with higher upside because virtually anyone they pick out of the draft has higher upside than Teddy Bridgewater. But either way, you know, George Payton now was around, regardless of the next head coach, he was around and oversaw this Broncos outfit, these Broncos players on offense at least, with a veteran holdover quarterback like Teddy. It's time, and I think he knows that, to draft his guy or in the unlikely scenario, roll with Drew Locke and give that upside a chance. Upside over floor any day of the week. All right. Let me uh, let me check here. We got to get going here very, very soon. So any last burning questions, get them in. I'm trying to find some folks that uh, we maybe haven't been able to get their foot in the door here tonight in the conversation. Let me grab uh, Roy here. Roy says, you guys are right. All you hear is excuses, especially like we've got to coach better. We need to improve. We have to play better. I'm staying with my guy. Absolutely zero accountability. Yeah, and that's one thing that gets lost in the shuffle is um, while Vic has never really stood up there, Zach, and said, this is my fault. It's up to me to fix it. Halfway through his press conferences, he'll kind of like work in on the tail end of a completely unrelated subject that we need to coach better. And so the messaging gets lost. He kind of he kind of buries it, buries the lead, so to speak. And so fans don't hear it from him. They don't, you know, they hear things like, "Yeah, we need to coach better," but like the overall message being reinforced is not a tone of accountability 
but rather excuses. Well, I mean, it's words versus actions. They can they say it over and over and over again, but nothing ever changes. And it just becomes hollow after a while. Tom McMahon, every week after the special teams implodes, saying it's on me and I have to be better. Or Vic Fangio saying the same thing. I mean, go out there and be better. Don't don't just talk about it. And I know I'm guilty of this, Chad. When, when you say about something, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow rarely, if ever, comes. And that's exactly the type of signals the Broncos are letting off. They're going to keep saying they're going to coach better, but that time never comes. And it's all just words, all talk. It's like the philosophy of teenage boys. Why do today what I could always do tomorrow? Right? Like, that's the feeling here. Um, guys, we're about out of time. Um, let me grab one more, and then we do got to get going here this evening. Let me see. Burning question. Burning question. Really, actually, Zach, pretty strong conversation in the chat tonight, which I love seeing. Uh, here's a question from uh, Peter. Why do uh, the Broncos, why does Vic Fangio struggle against mobile quarterbacks like Lamar and uh, Jalen Hurts? Um, he's really struggled in that department this year against the mobile guys. I think a big part of it is personnel. You know, they did have Vaughn in week four, but they did not have Bradley Chubb. They had Alexander Johnson, but they didn't have Josie Jewell. And then you get to the Philly game, and you're talking about Malik Reed, who's one of the worst edge-setting um, rush linebackers in the NFL. And then Jonathan Cooper, a rookie who, you know, like PFF tweeted either today or yesterday, Zach, that he's one of the uh, – I think he's the sixth highest rated rookie edge defender currently. Uh, Jonathan Cooper with an overall this and that. Uh, and they listed his, his run grade was pretty positive. It was in the 70s. I'm like, dude, what are you watching? What in the heck are you watching? Jonathan Cooper's run defense, it was solid in Dallas. It was putrid in Cleveland, although he did get some pressures in Cleveland, and it was horrendous against Philadelphia. So I think it's just part of, you know, the the, the short answer is I think it's more an issue of the Joes than the X's and O's this year for uh, Vic struggling against mobile cues. Well, I mean, the other guys get paid too. And, you know, Lamar Jackson's an elite quarterback. And Jalen Hurts is a much better quarterback than he's given credit for. I still don't understand all the Jalen Hurts hate. On a more specific level, though, um, they don't have the interior pressure to get after the mobile quarterbacks. That's why if you watch the Ravens game or the Eagles game, those mobile quarterbacks aren't breaking to the outside. They're going right up the middle. Same with the Broncos' run defense. They get washed out of the way. They can get decent edge pressure, but when a mobile quarterback steps up, it's game over. I mean, you don't have the horses and you don't have the scheme in Vic Fangio's case. All right, guys, we got to get going for tonight. Appreciate each and every one of you. And Travis, this is the last one. He says, uh, does it seem Teddy has gone away from Sutton? Yes. Uh, you know, again, we don't believe in coincidence on this podcast. And the fact that Cortland Sutton's stats have completely tanked since Jerry Judy returned to the lineup, you know, there's some there there. What to infer from that? I don't know, because Timmy P, you know, he's continued to be a, a great role player and a go-to for for Teddy, but Sutton... I think the biggest thing here, Zach, is that Sutton's a guy that's, uh, you know, you kind of got to push the ball to him. And Teddy's not a guy that likes to push beyond the sticks. I mean, on almost every Corlin Sutton target this year, now that he's getting healthier and healthier after last year, it's either a catch 
or a penalty being drawn. He's kind of going back to being old Cortland Sutton. And old Cortland Sutton is a borderline top 10 receiver. I'm sorry, but Jerry Judy is not there yet. Tim Patrick is not there yet as well. Cortland is. But remember before the year, I mean, it might have been even before the Teddy trade. It might have been right after, actually. What were Drew Locke receivers versus Teddy receivers and what type mesh well with others? Well, it was obvious from off-season practices and training camp that Jerry Judy and Teddy Bridgewater had a vibe. They had a connection going. They never got that going between Teddy and Cortland Sutton. And Cortland might be more of a Drew Locke guy because he looked pretty good the last couple years. But you have to find a way when you have a borderline top 10 guy like Cortland who snatches 80-20 balls, not 50-50 balls, he has to get more than three targets in a game dominated by heavy pass script. It's unacceptable. All right, guys, with that, we got to get going. Zach, if you want to uh, do the goodbye rundown, I'm going to pull up where we're at on the uh, Stars goal. This was the Huddle Up Podcast, guys. It is a bye week, but we'll see you guys on Sunday night for more Huddle Up Pod action. Be sure to follow us on Twitter until that point. And going forward at Huddle Up Pod, follow us on Twitter also for all your Broncos news at the Mothership account at Mile High Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a nice and sexy football priest hat like Chad's wearing. Get yourself a coffee cup. Get yourself a hoodie for the winner. Check out the store at huddleuppod.com. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button. Claude, I believe, mentioned it earlier. might not have been him, but someone did. About the three shows, worth 5 bucks a month. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone. Become a VIP supporter and get instant access right away. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod. Like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But... Do these three things if you haven't already. Please, guys, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Guys, we say this every night, you know, at the end of the show, that even if you're not listening to the podcast on Apple Pods, we need you to go there and give us five-star rating. That helps us out a ton. And in so doing, we give back by including you in a raffle each month for a giveaway. Um whether it's a hat, a jersey, a t-shirt, a little something, something. So, guys, even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're an Apple user, just open it up, up the app, find our podcast, give us a five-star rating. Helps us out a ton. Trust. Here's where we're at, guys. We crossed the goal uh, this morning during uh, Broncos for Breakfast. So, we are raffling off a Broncos jersey of your choice. And here's what I'm thinking. We'll do the raffle for the jersey on Facebook on Sunday, during Sunday night show. And by then, instead of coming up with different things, we'll create a new goal. We'll do it. Even though we were two, three days late on hitting it right in the middle of the month, we'll create a new goal, something that can be manageable, but enough to kind of challenge us and make it fun and see what we can get done by then. Let's see, 19th, 2021. So we'll have almost 10 days, no, 10 full days to try and hit it. So shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for the support. You know, we love you. Uh, Here's who's in the running for that jersey with the most tickets in the hat. Remember, the jersey raffle, the only people in the running are those who contributed to the goal. Here's the people who did so with the most tickets in the hat. Randy at the top, Travis Weber at two, Shane Daniels, Tim Hoffman, Andrew Lampy, Andrew Baker, Travis Tarbox, Doug Raquel, Morgan Henry, and Nunzi in the top ten. Really cool. Pete Middleton just outside, Mike Reno. All these guys and gals, though, that you see here are going to have plenty of tickets in the old hat. So, Love you. Appreciate you. 
And uh, as Zach said, we'll we'll see you on Sunday. Take care, guys. Enjoy the weekend, and you know, enjoy the bye week, Chad. I, I you know I don't know about you, but if they, the Broncos would have won that game, I would have been damn. It's the bye week. I miss Broncos football. I'm gonna be happy not getting aggravated for once and cursing out Vic Fangio at my TV screen. So have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy football on Sunday. A lot of good games. Have a great weekend, Chad, as well. Ooh, I just realized. We won't do the drawing Sunday. It'll have to be Monday because I'm not going to be on the show Sunday. I got a family thing uh, for Thanksgiving that I uh, that I'm a very rare moment where I'm not going to be on the show. So we'll do the we'll do the the raffle Monday. But uh, anyway, as you were saying, shows back Sunday night, guys. Take care. Have a great weekend, Chad. Everyone out you there, too, bro. Take care as always, guys. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.